Hello, this is Charles Wiz. And Tony Silva. And we are two teachers talking. This is where Tony and I get together, and we have gotten together for the 156th time to talk about teaching, teaching in Japan, teaching in Japanese universities, and issues that are of interest to us and hopefully have been of interest to you. And today we're kind of in the, I don't know what's the best way to say it, Tony, we're doing what everybody else is doing, which is talking about the chat GPT, right, that has taken the world by storm. But we're more going to be talking about this in terms of our kind of ongoing discussion about machine translation and AI and English language teaching. But before we get into that, we'd like to wish everyone a happy new year and hope that 2023 is a wonderful year for everybody. We are recording this after Christmas, but before New Year's. So we're full of holiday cheer. Full of holiday cheer. Uh, We can just tell, Tony, you're just oozing it. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get started. Um, And Tony, we're going to try to talk about this in a way that maybe hopefully shed some light for teachers in a non kind of, I don't know what's the best way to put it, panicky kind of uh, hyperbolic kind of thing. Cause everybody's freaking out, right? It's the end of English teaching. It's the end of writing. It's the end of everything. It's the end of the world. And well, that's what it kind of, kind of seems like, cause yeah, you and I are like, you're pretty plugged in, but, there might be some people out there who, what are they talking about? <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and explain? Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, you you volunteered, right? I was just going right. to assume right. that just people could assume Google. Everybody okay, knew talking about let's it. start this. Yeah, no, no problem. So anyway, so there's this group, uh, OpenAI, and they've been working on AI, artificial intelligence. They've been working on th- uh, a number of different things. And one of the things that they've been working on has been the um, – um, text to image um, AI thing where you describe what you want, you know, and say, I want, you know, Donald Duck in a kimono on a surfboard in Honolulu. And it's the AI will. Isn't that goofy, by the way? <laughs> it's goofy, but I, I did Donald Duck. But then no, but yeah, whoever it is, I don't Donald know. Duck on, Mickey Donald or Minnie or sorry. You know, choose your character. Okay. And, and and it will then, you know, construct like what it you know, a number of images that it thinks meet your criteria, and then you can, you know, select and then like like no, okay, make it better and and so on. It's called Dal E as a Salvador Salvador Dali, right? D A L L dash E is what they call it. But they're also um have been they also have been involved with uh uh, not um, visual images, but um, with language and text, and uh, it's one of many, you know, worldwide things called a a large language model, uh, LLM, um, where uh, the the computer or the program, or the thing, <laughs> the entity, I don't know what we, the entity, <laughs> um, kind of pulls vast. You know, selections of texts and words, sentences, paragraphs, works, uh, uh, looks for patterns, establishes 
databases, connections between all of them. And then, you know, kind of builds like this huge knowledge base. Uh, and, and not unlike, you know, for example, we've had, and we'll get, I think, to come up a little bit, will be, uh, for example, Google, Google search type of thing, kind of same kind of smarts behind that. It's like, well, you know, you're asking for this. It's like, well, this seems to match this pattern. So he, he or she probably wants this too, or they probably don't want this, right? Um, this year, uh, well, we're all, at, behind closed doors, before it became public, they've been working on um, uh, one of these models uh, with the extra uh, little kick of the ability of the the machine to learn from human feedback. And with going backtracking to the images a little bit, you know, some of you might have played a game where, where you know, I was years ago, you, you, you look and you, there's like faces of two people, you know, two men or two women, uh, back in the binary era. Uh, and you say, well, which one is more attractive? And you vote. And then eventually, like 35 steps, 40 steps down, they have like the perfect woman or the perfect man. Um, well, they have taken some of that kind of technology, I'm guessing, uh, with the um, the text feedback and, and giving it back to humans and saying, okay, you asked for, you know, a story about, um, I'll go back to, okay, we'll use Goofy this time. Goofy goes to um, Shangri-La and um, orders a Mai Tai and has a discussion with a mermaid. Uh, what was her discussion like? And the 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 thing, the machine, spits out a conversation. But then human gets given to humans, and humans say, "Well, yeah, this is good. It's not good." Or there's two things, and you choose one or the other, and it learns from the human feedback. That is the revolutionary piece. Uh, and they made the um, um, actually I started playing with it last summer, but uh, they made it public uh, last uh, last month, December, November, I don't know. Uh, anyway, and that started the tsunami that Charles <laughs> mentioned the, the this tidal wave of reaction to um, our next step toward the simulacrum <laughs> so anyway so that's what it is so it's a really very sophisticated um computer program uh i guess uh which is chat it's called chat but i think the part that's um having the the biggest making the biggest waves uh in our profession is more about its Quite uncanny ability to generate human-like text discourse. You want to run Sentences, with that a little bit? Paragraphs. I, I'm, I've been talking too much. You, you run with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not that familiar with the technical side. But the point for teachers, what's of interest for teachers, is that basically chat GPT. And I think it's like a chat bot because you can interact with it. Right. Is that you can give it 
some prompts, right? You can give it a writing prompt and it will write basically a paper or a series of paragraphs about what you've given it to write. And what's caused so much, uh, what's the word? Turmoil. Bruhaha. <laughs> Bruhaha. Hoo-ha. Of the, for people is that it's actually pretty good. It's actually very good. And Tony sent me, you sent me that article from the New York Times where it has 10 samples of writing and and they ask people to choose whether or not it's GPT, chat GPT, or a human writer. And what they did was uh, basically used fourth graders and eighth graders writing samples, I th- believe. And uh, I, I did it um, just this morning. <laughs> and to my pleasant surprise, I got nine out of ten correct, which I think you did also, right? Yeah, I was right about that. It might have been eight. It might have been nine. I, I, don't, I don't remember. Okay. But yeah, like right there. Yeah. Right. But that's not the point. That's right. not the point at all. What was – what is the point is that you really had to focus and it was difficult it was challenging to figure things out and looking for identifiers, looking for clues. A quick passing, pass, you know, reading, a quick reading would have, I would have assumed that it was real, that it was an actual, you know, there was a human behind the writing. But the important point is that this is not new. A lot, you know, there are, I forget the exact name of the, the app or the AI, whichever you want to call it, that actually has been writing news stories and um, news reports for a couple of years now. This, so it's not a new thing. But here's the thing for teachers, especially for language teachers, is not that chat GPT, or let's just call it uh, GPT, and this is GPT-3. I think it's the third iteration. And by the way, um, a little aside here, GPT-2 the second iteration was not released to the public because the people behind OpenAI were concerned about malicious uses of the AI. Right, because the, the 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 bot has no moral grounding, <laughs> no moral grounding, but no no context. Right, it doesn't understand. It only you know it it it's just like you know. Scrapes the you know text and discourse that's out there without any kind of judgment, right? And that was the problem I think with Microsoft's chatbot from last year was that like within like three to four days it was spewing racist, misogynist, um, really outrageous, hateful stuff because it was being trained on what people were, you know, the information or the data. That was right. So taken. if you ask it, it's like, what's the ideal CIO for my new corporation? It's going to be a white male, fifty right. years old. <laughs> but it would, but no, that would have been that would have been really mild compared to some of the things. Yeah, that exactly, it actually, exactly. It but did it really spit out some example. ugly stuff. Yeah. So I I don't want to really get into the ethics part about um, you know how this stuff is the training models and and the sure. the fact that there is human bias is going to naturally come through. We want to look at it from the teacher's perspective and especially for the language teacher, and ask, how do we deal with this? 
you know, how does it really impact or affect us? And this goes back, Tony, to, you know, my argument, which, you know, is that it's all Latin, basically. And we've talked about this before. And where I say that, you know, for most of the students in Japan, most of the university students who are required to take English, but will not use their English or will not use English that much in their lives and have no interest in learning English, there's, this is, this is, this is, you know, mana from heaven. This is a, a, an incredible tool for them. A combination of machine translation, something like DeepL, put in, you know, what you want to say and then send that to, you know, chat GPT. And there's your essay. And what are teachers going to do? Because the thing that truly amazed me when I was uh, reading the article that gave, you know, the samples of a fourth grader or an eighth grader writing. And by the way, when they, they give examples, they say, okay, compare fourth or eighth grade. It doesn't mean that it's not capable of writing, let's say, you know, college level essays. It actually is. It was just, it was an example of how they were giving it constraints, setting certain parameters. And what I found amazing was that the people who were setting up this test decided that um, they wanted to include mistakes. So they actually had directions to chat GPT, for example, that said, um, and I, I think I'm quoting here, but add one or two grammar mistakes and some incorrect p punctuation and then swap one or two words for their homophones. Right. right. And it did that. Which is, this is the key thing here, right? Is that one of the ways that a teacher, a language teacher in Japan would identify whether or not something is machine. You know, it's too good. It's too good. <laughs> but it's, this, this is copied and pasted from somebody who knows how to write English. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And this somebody is the machine now. Right. But the machine can actually include mistakes intentionally include mm. mistakes. Mm. And I believe that you can designate how many mistakes. And I'm sure that after a while, somebody's going to figure out a way that, you know, they'll figure out what's the proper ratio of, you know, how many mistakes per words will get past most, most teachers. So the key thing here is that it can generate really high level, what appears to be human written texts but it can in, be intentionally directed and then follow through by including the errors. What is a teacher supposed to do? I mean, that's, that was the thing that really stood out to me. And, you know, it really does raise the question going back again. Uh, if a machine can do this, if a, Right, a machine can generate a text from machine translated input. So the Japanese student enters their ideas, puts it into, let's say, DeepL or Google Translate, and then puts that into Chat GPT. How do we argue with them? How do we prove to them, you know, that it's worthwhile learning to write, other than from, you know, the point of like ah, critical thinking, logic, logical organization? discovering your ideas it's going to 
I think, force people to really rethink how they teach writing. And I have arguments. You know, I have things that I believe that I could say why we should still continue to teach writing. But I'm running on here. It does seem to raise some interesting questions that I think have to be dealt with and that no longer can be ignored because there's been a number of times over the last three years where I've said, we're not dealing with machine translation. We're not looking at it. We're not, you know, figuring out how does it impact teaching? How does it impact, you know, learning? How does it affect students' motivation and need for learning English in Japan? And everyone has always said the same thing, basically, which is, oh, it'll never be good enough. <laughs> and now suddenly it's like, uh, excuse me, but it is now. And what are we going to do? So I think it's good in the sense that it's really forcing the discussion and it can no longer be ignored. How's that for a long monologue? That's good. <laughs> and that was all generated by my artificial yeah, it intelligence. Was it was human generated. It was that, I, we, we, we vouched that that was human generated. <laughs> But so um, I agree with the, the 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 last part is like is yeah and I don't think that it's been ignored. I think people are talking about it. they're they're loath to to do it to 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 act um, on this, but I don't I don't think that they're ignoring it. But um, I'm no, <clears throat> no surprise to you, Charles. Um, I take I, I look at this in a very very different way. Um, I, I look at because uh, I played with this a, a bit and. Um, it uh, it certainly is not good enough. It is impressive as hell, uh, and it does produce very very good English sentences and paragraphs that, at first glance, are indistinguishable from like human output. Um, and and I'll, I'll say two things: one, it's not good enough yet, but it's really really close. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really really close. It's really knocking on the door, and it, and it, it is going to change everything. But nevertheless, I say this is the new tech boogeyman. Um, this is the same boogeyman that um, when um, books were introduced, people said, "Oh, well, that's the end of learning because you don't have to learn anything now because you don't know something. You can just look it up in a book." Yeah, it's new technology, the new print, you know, Gutenberg. It's like, oh, yeah, well, fine. Well, well that's, that's the end of knowledge. That's the end of education, science, and progress because it's all just in books now. You can look at it. And we saw it with books. We saw it when with television. We saw it with AV equipment. We saw it with calculators and math. It's like, why study math? You got a calculator. You don't have to see more than math again. The internet. Why study history? You can just look it up on the internet. Smartphones, smartphones in classes. It's like, oh well, you know, why would you have students use their smartphones? They just all the answers, all the answers are right there. Um, history, math, geography. Um, why teach any of that? Because all that, all that data, all that information, it's accessible to us anytime, anywhere. It's not just computers; it's on our phone and everything else. Um, foreign language, cognitive benefits, uh, specifically de decision making. Um, naturally, the cultural aspect is like not, you know, understanding that 
your world and your language is not the center of the universe. Uh, different ways that the language changes how one thinks, um, that there's another way of seeing the world, there's another way of interpreting things. Um, it's like, well, yeah, the, the student doesn't want to learn English. So what? He doesn't want, he doesn't want to learn math. So what? She doesn't want to learn history. So what? Education is something else. And we've hashed this all out. It's episode 147, April 2000, this year, 2022, Why English? Um, episode 115, Bilingualism, the advantages there. Um, but this is, in, in a way, the new boogeyman. And it's, it's, and it's, and, and, and sure, it, it's, it's big, it's scary. Um, and it's, and, and as we've said, it's, <laughs> it's scary good. And um, I think we'll get like in terms of like you know to teachers what teachers to do advance specifically how to handle some of this or how to approach or start thinking about some of it maybe get to it a little bit later on but like right now it's like well yeah you really are going to have to rethink your assignments and how you're going to do your evaluations um, drastically I think. Um, but in not only in, for teachers, I think not only in terms of um, yeah classroom, um, I think the the really big impact it's going to have is uh, for everybody, not just for teachers, but um, search, for example, Google. Um, this is a, the game has really changed for them. Um, for us who do research. That's really going to change how we do research and things. Um, and uh, Google, it's, uh, Google itself has uh, been doing lots of this kind of work. Uh, they had their own like AI thing it's called I'm, I, these initials. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce this. Capital L, small A, capital MDA, um, where <laughs> there was. Was it this year or was it last year? Or one of their engineers um, made, made some big headlines. And, and I, you know, kind of embarrassingly, he says he was claiming that like their chatbot was actually sentient because it was doing such a good job. Um, same kind of technology. I don't know exactly how much overlap there was, and I don't know about the, the training loop with the, the Google chatbot with, versus the... Um, the the GPT um, bot, whatever it is. But certainly, um, technology is changing <laughs> uh, what we do very quickly. And it's changing the landscape very quickly and uh, dramatically. I mean, not, not in small steps. But I... Because I've played a lot with it, and it's like, and it's like you don't initially. You look at it; it's like really impressive. It's really amazing, but then you ask it some, and it really kind of falls all over itself. For example, it's like, I'm in in Querétaro, Mexico. It says, "Okay, what are the most dangerous animals in Querétaro, Mexico?" Like, da, 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 da. Okay, I'm from Chicago. What are the most dangerous animals in Chicago? Da, 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 da. It's basically the same answer. Small details, uh, different, but same structure, same sentences. Um, and Charles, I think I, I sent you earlier today. One was like, "What was, 
which which mammal produces the largest eggs? <laughs> and it spit out some nonsense about elephants laying eggs. Well, don't elephants lay the biggest eggs? Do they lay eggs? Oh, they're mammals. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but but platypuses are an, are mammals, right? And they lay eggs. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah. So a really large so, platypus is the correct answer? I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I'd have to Google it. <laughs> I'd have to Google it to find out what mammals lay eggs and which ones are the I think largest. it's only I think it's only a platypus. I'm pretty uh, sure. There is no other mammals that lay eggs. I, we'd have to again, we have to Google it. Well, but it's certainly not the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that elephants don't do that. So, so, but anyway, so that, but that's the point. So it's like, yeah, it's and it's easy to take like you know cheap shots like that. It's like, it's like I don't mean to to disparage or or like minimize the, the amazing uh, ability of this thing to generate text. And and I said I I haven't shared these with you yet, but I uh, this afternoon I was playing with it a little bit, and um, I had asked uh, it to write an alternate ending to Great Gatsby. And it did. It wasn't very good, but it did. Um, I said, now, now can you do it in the style of Fitzgerald? And it did. And then I asked, it says, well, can you write a short story set at Kindai University in Osaka, Japan? And it did. <laughs> but but it was the story was completely generic. It talked about students at the quad. It's not about students like their footsteps on the concrete walkways. Um, neither of which Kindai has. Um, so, yeah, it's cha- really changing the landscape, but it's not the end of the world that um, that people are, are are talking about. There was um there was another. Um, uh, article which I did not send you because I didn't read it until just a, an hour or, or so before we we started recording. Um, the New York Times again. Author is uh, Tressy McMillan Cottom, and just like one little quote that she was talking about how um, you know Christmas shopping and going to the stores and here's and and listening to the the piped in I'll use quote unquote music. Um. Yeah, you know, there's familiar tunes and everything else, but totally soulless and everything else. And uh, she was contrasting what she was hearing, which was like generated by this computer program music thing, pentatonics. Um, and her quote is, uh, humanities, arts, and higher education could use a little reminder that we do human. That's our business when we do it well. We are as safe from chat GPT as the temptations are from pentatonics. Now. As of yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm with you right now. <laughs> Cause yeah, I'm I'm yeah, I'm I'm running to the I'm running too. <laughs> well feet feet don't fail me now. Yeah, I'm running. I think that it's a knee-jerk reaction, first off. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. A lot like, of like it, I said, with like all the new technology, the, the new tech boogeyman. Right. And I think a lot of it is coming from people who might not be that familiar with technology. But I want to maybe 
give like a little sideways kind of parallel track, one of the ways to think about this is the use of AI in chess, for example. Okay. Right. And I think it was Deep Blue, the IBM mm-hmm. computer that beat Gary Kasparov. I can never pronounce his name. Kasparov? Kasparov, I, be- I think. Yeah, yeah, I think. And that was this great moment, supposedly, the defining moment when the machine beat a human at chess. And the way that machine worked was very different from the way, let's say, current chess AIs work. I think there's something called Alpha Zero which is built by Google's DeepMind, which also, I think, made a, a, a Go AI. And the reason I mention this is that there's two interesting things. Number one is that the chess AIs are now used for training purposes, like every grandmaster trains mm. and <laughs> plays against the AIs and learns new, yeah, learns new moves because the machine comes up with moves that a human would not come up with. And this was, I think it's called move 49 or something, or what what happened is that when the DeepMind Go AI was playing, it made a move that nobody had ever seen before. And nobody could understand the move. And it ended up, you know, the AI ended up winning the game. And it was an interesting moment that humans could not understand the move. Right. That there's this black box, that this mysterious thing that we don't know that's going on. So I, I only mention that for anyone who's interested and wants to dig a little bit deeper. Well, um, that's like, that's where the, the real magic is, right? It's like when you're, you're not just programming, like mostly what this is, like, you know, scraping and, and looking for patterns and things, but not that part of it. But. Okay. The learning aspect of it and right. teaching how you teach the machine to learn. That's where the magic is. Right. And that's why I'm not really panicking too much. I see. Let me explain why I brought up the chess AI. So you take these grandmasters, people who are incredible chess players, uh, they train against these AIs. I can see putting a student at it, you know, tell them to take out their computer or their smartphone or whatever, you know, their tablet and say, type in a prompt. I want you to write, you know, about your day at school. And you have them actually use the, uh, you know, chat GPT to generate, you know, a paragraph about what they did at school yesterday. And it's going to be generic as you point out, right? Because there's not enough detail. And then have the students start adding detail. You know, for example, in the same way that it said add one or two grammar mistakes, say um, include that I ate, you know, I had toast and coffee for breakfast, etc. Yeah, my, my, my friend Jiro, yeah. Right. And I can see how that, for example, would solve a big problem for me, which is when I say, please provide concrete details in your writing. <laughs> so... And then the student rewrites, and then they can, you know, get feedback from other students. So I can, you know, I don't see it as being this big, the end of the essay. What I do see it as being is the start of teachers 
relearning how to teach writing, especially the importance of writing as process. And I also see it as an incredible off-ramp from the one-way highway of the five-paragraph essay. I can see this freeing up teachers. I can see this freeing up students to actually start writing with more, for lack of a better word, more idea freedom or freedom of ideas and forcing the students to actually have to learn more about pragmatics, which I've talked about before, that with machine translation, that pragmatics, understanding the importance of register, situation, context, will be taught before we teach the mechanics of the language, which I think will also lead to increased cultural understanding, because we'll have to talk more about the culture. These are things you can say. These are things that you can't say. So that chat GPT or these, you know, chatbots uh, are, I think, a really interesting learning tool. Now, given that we have Grammarly language tools, plus we have uh, something like the Hemingway app, which can check for readability in people's writing, look at sentence complexity, etc., that these tools are available to students. And I, for example, am one who tells my students, please put your writing through Grammarly before you submit it to me so I don't have to fix your grammar mistakes or see the grammar mistakes. And there's a way to do that to also say that students have to provide a report and say Grammarly found the, you know, this number of, let's say, yeah, past tense. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let me see. But also to make them reflect on it, not just send the screenshot, Tony. Sure. Right. Right. Exactly. So in other words, people are, you know, again, remember when Grammarly came out? Oh, my God, what are mm-hmm. we going to do? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's, yeah, it's not. It's not what the tool does. It's what people do with the tool and how they use the tool and now replace yeah, people with students instead of seeing this as this like incredibly bad thing you say okay again it's a new tool it's a new tool how can we use it to teach what maybe we would have had difficulty teaching before yeah. so instead yeah. of having to spend a lot of time focusing on mechanics or the structure of a paragraph right. I, i'm freed up now to think ah, oh, you know what i can focus more on critical thinking I can focus more on logical construction. I can focus more on the ideas for students to understand the importance of concrete details. Also, you're asking them to say, hey, you need to review what this thing wrote before you submit it to me. <laughs> yeah, good idea. <laughs> right. And We've both been there. <laughs> we both spoke right. up that way. Okay, sure. so in other words, what I'm tossing out is I think it's a knee-jerk reaction from people. There's nothing you can do to stop this. Okay. You can't enact laws. You can make rules. Let's say, okay, please, you ask your students, don't use machine translation. Please don't use AI writing tools. And the only way you can prevent that is by having students write in class on a piece of paper in front of you. And what kind of writing are you going to get from students? Now, this also reminds me of 
people who you know would tell students, don't use a dictionary. It's like, remember that whole thing? Like dictionaries were wrong and we don't want people to use dictionaries. Anybody would tell you, if you don't know a word, what's the first thing you do? Look at the word up in a dictionary. Almost every teacher would tell you that. I mean, I remember when people, you know, there'd be exercises, activities, and you're doing fluency activities where you tell people don't use a dictionary. But the idea is, the dic- how different is a dictionary, a bilingual or a monolingual dictionary, from, in just in terms of scale, with chat GPT or using Grammarly or using something like the Hemingway app or Language Tools Plus. So think about how you, you as an educator, as a teacher, as someone who's teaching writing, given that this exists, how can you use it to teach things maybe that you wouldn't be able to teach before? And they might be that you're able to teach higher level skills, higher level writing skills, to students who you could not teach that because you were so focused on just trying to teach them basic, you know, writing mechanics of grammars and syntax and vocabulary, for example, and basic paragraph structure. I think it's a good thing. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to it. The fact that I only have one more year before I retire, which is uh, kind of like, oh, that's interesting timing. Hmm. But I don't see it necessarily as a bad thing. I'm, I'm actually, since it is my last year, next year, for my writing class, I think I'm going to use ChatGPT. You're full or out. Or something yeah, like it. Put full out. Floor on it, yeah. But all the essays have to be written by ChatGPT and really see whether or not I can get students to develop those critical thinking, organizational, logical, rhetorical um you know, rhetoric knowledge, those kind of, you know, knowledge is. So it'll be kind of fun. But that's how I'm approaching it right now. Well, I'm oddly, surprisingly, can't disagree with almost anything you've said. Wait, you disagree with nothing? <laughs> I can't. No, I, I don't think I disagree with anything this you is said. A mem- it, this is a momentous moment. <laughs> it's, it's pretty weird. It's not what I expected. But no, no, I think you're absolutely right because it really does um, – Free the te- it, you know one it frees a teacher to teach things as as you said that wouldn't otherwise be taught, but also that we, you wouldn't be able to teach. Uh, but it also puts extra responsibility on a teacher to um, think it out and um, figure out how best to use that new tool. Um, and in in completely new <laughs> new ways, it, it, it really it's you know it's 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 difficult. So, but I'm I'm with you. It's like no, this is a great thing. I I think this is fantastic. Um, and um, it, yeah, it, it's a it's just like another further step that w- what I've done in the classroom before is like when students are you know writing in class, where it's like no, use use all the tools <laughs> at your disposal because that reflects. The way you're going to be doing things in the real world, and this is one of those things. And yeah, sometimes it's going to make it a lot easier for you, and sometimes you're, you know, you're going to get in trouble uh, for relying too heavily on the on, on the tool. Um, as I, you know, as I was joking, you know, as you were talking, like as as you and I have, and as I do all the time now, like for example, with um, yeah, you know, my my Spanish study and Duolingo is what I use, and I use. 
dictation. And you know, a lot of times I don't check it. And, you know, it's like, that's not what I said. Or even I'll, I'll type something. And, and I know, you know, the, the, the Duolingo Spanish is, <laughs> and this is, this is how it goes. This is where, the, you know, the technology bites you and it helps you. And it's like, it's like, I know the Duolingo Spanish is different from the Google Spanish. And it's like, I'll go, it's like, it's like okay, I'll put the answer. It's like, oh, is this really right? And I'll go to Google. And it's like, it's like no, 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 you got to change this. You know, all the particles in the wrong spot. And so, like, okay, fine. So I'll put it back. It's like, okay, give it to Duolingo. And it's like, no, it's wrong. <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's what I wrote. Because the Duolingo Spanish and the Google Spanish are different. Um, and this is the kind, you know, there's always going to be this kind of friction between the human language and the machine language. Uh, uh, I say always, but eh, I never say never, never say always. Um, someday, someday, someday. But um, with the, that's, that's small stuff, right? And that's needs to be taken into consideration. But in terms of the, the, the big picture with the teacher and the student and the teaching and the learning. Um, yeah, it's going to require teachers to rethink a whole lot of what they're going to be teaching and how they're going to teach and what the students are going to learn and how the students are going to, where they're going to learn it. Are they going to learn it from the teacher? Are they going to learn it from, um, you know, the, the, the tech interaction? But like with U-Charts, I think, I think it's exciting. I think it's fantastic. I think, I think it's a really interesting opportunity and uh, uh, lots of really, it opens up all kinds of doors, I think. Yeah, I think it really does. I, and an example just doesn't deal with chat GPT, but I'm very fortunate that I get to teach um, in a World Bank program at my university. And these are people coming from work who apply for the World Bank programs and they stop working and they spend two years working on their master's. And this is like the perfect group of people to work with. They're always, and they're engineers and they're looking at infrastructure management and they're working on things like, you know, like, you know, how to develop clean water programs, um, concrete erosion, for making sure that bridges are safe or roads are safe. I mean, just wonderful, wonderful people who are actually doing meaningful research. <laughs> and I tell them, use Grammarly, use Language Tools Plus, use the Hemingway app, use any tool available. And one student said that they used Gram um, Hemingway or, and the Hemingway app, which measures readability and sentence complexity, which is, of course, part of readability. And they said, they said that the sentence is difficult to read, and they changed the word required to need. And they said, then the sentence gener um, Hemingway app said, okay, now that sentence is fine. And they said, how, you know, how are they, what should they do? And I explained that the value of that is not just blindly following it, but considering the recommendation, thinking about the recommendation, and then choosing whether to accept or reject the correction or suggestion. And I think you use Ulysses, right, Tony? Yes, yeah. yeah. And that has the built-in style checker. Yep. Language tools. Yep. Plus, I believe, is, is included. And it gives you a choice to accept or ignore. Mm -hmm. And... There are times where I just ignore, accept, accept, accept. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 whoa. And I have to really think about it. 
Mm. And I, that's valuable. That is useful. It's like any rule. It's not the blind application of a rule. It's the use of the rule as a, um, what's the word I'm looking for, for a basic, you know, helpful tool, but that must at times you have to check and say, ah, it's not working right now, or should I use it right now? And those are the moments of learning, I think, right? That's Schmidt's gap. I think he talked about notice the gap, which was to notice, oh, I can't say this or I can't understand it. But that kind of gap or, and I, and I use gap not as in terms of a missing part, but maybe I should say that kind of pause, that kind of, uh, interruption that forces someone to think. It means that that's going to be learned. That's going to be remembered. That person, it, it also allowed us to go into an interesting discussion about the difference between the nuances and differences between require and need. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the other thing I want to just add about the chat GPT thing is to ask most teachers and say, Hey, if I gave you a choice to teach to your students, syntax, grammar, and maybe paragraph structure, or give you a chance to teach critical thinking and logically organizing ideas and developing um, ideas into more concrete, you know, learning how to express your ideas more concretely, which would you choose? Which would you really choose? And I can tell you that I would choose the latter more than the former. I find that much more interesting to teach critical thinking, logical organization, the development of concrete, you know, expressions for ideas. It's a great thing. It allows us to teach culture. It allows us to teach more higher level things. And I think students will find that more interesting and be more motivated because it's uh, I'm sorry, and I don't mean to offend all my colleagues who are linguists, I mean real linguists and, you know, syntacticians and grammarians and things, but that's a not a large demographic of language learners are people who want to study linguistics. Most of the people who are learning languages are because they want to use it in the real world. And if this is going to help them learn how to use the language in the real world and help them to be more worldly, more cosmopolitan, um, more tolerant and respectful because there's more time spent on understanding and learning about cultures, I say bring it on. Hmm. There, my screed is finished. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you almost 100%. I just want to throw out this other, and it's, it's not necessarily because this is what I espouse or this is not like one this is not part of my core beliefs but <clears throat> excuse me have you ever done um shodo have you like the kanji like writing the characters have you ever studied that at all yeah the, oh, that's the calligraphy isn't it yeah with the brush yeah, yeah. i tried it once <laughs> that says everything <laughs> well i did it for my my very first year in japan i did it for well, most of the year, most of that first year. Um, and like with um, a lot of the uh, Japanese arts, you know, martial arts and the karate, which I've done. And then I, again, I think of an example here, but this one, is, this is actually a little bit more crystal clear. And so, you know, the 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 casual 
flirting with a, a thing versus actually learning the thing. Um, one of the, you know, and I, I would go to, you know, this old woman's house once a week and, um, you know, she did, you know, lessons out, you know, out of her, out of her house. And each week, um, the lesson, quote unquote, first 10 minutes or so or more, um, you know, you sit down, you're going to sit down here and say, so you're not sitting down, you're on your knees and you're there and you've got your ink stone and you've got your block of ink and you got a little bit of water and first 10 or 15 minutes, you make your ink. Now you can, you can buy a <laughs> damn bottle of ink, <laughs> but you can't. You got to sit there with your ink stone and rub your ink your your ink thing on the on, on the ink stone and rub and rub and rub and rub and rub and then you make the ink that you're going to use to 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 write your characters with your brush. Is that a wise use of time? Yes. No. <laughs> um, is it more important? Is it more? Is isn't isn't brush control more important than like sitting there and the the hand that you're going to use to like <laughs> write those strokes, wear it out like rubbing this inkstone thing on there. You can yeah. There's value in that, but and so there's there's no one path uh, i'm guessing um i'm i guess pe- a lot of people would disagree there is no one path um there is a a value in in the sitting down in the discipline of like making your own ink and then using that ink to to draw the characters that you, you know to write the characters that you're going to do um on the other hand and I, and i guess it's maybe like a much you know, it's an eastern perspective and a western perspective it's like well no i'm just wasting my time like just rubbing you know rubbing this thing to make this thing it's like uh, teach me something you well, you are being taught something smack you in the head like learn it but it doesn't mean it's the right way and it doesn't mean it's the only way and I, I think that kind of parallels the, the the situation we've got right now. It's like, it's like, and I think a real a good, really good analogy is in the in the seventies when suddenly transistors made their way to like maybe it was the sixties. I think it was the seventies. Um, you know, portable calculators. It's like whoa! <laughs> it's like suddenly you know trig- all kinds of not just multiplication but trig- trigonometric functions and I was like this is all I don't need to I don't need to learn all this stuff it's right here well on the one hand yeah you're not learning the you're kind of shortcutting the basics but it allows you to do these other things and at, at, at a more macro level how valuable are the basics or the underpinnings? And it's like, well, you know, you can, you know, pretty much write a really good computer program right now without really knowing a programming language. You certainly don't need to go to, you know, 
<laughs> to to basic I don't mean basic basic um, but like fundamental computer machine level computer language um, to to write a great program because da 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 but is there are you saying that there's no value in knowing how that machine language works? No, that's not what I'm saying or what you're saying. And I, 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 I think this is exactly your point. Um, yeah. Some cases it really is useful and beneficial and, and maybe sometimes necessary to get down deep into the very gut level machine level uh, basics of language or foreign language or thought or anything else. But at the same time, for most folk, um, it's not necessary. And it's not only convenient, but beneficial um, to be able to keep all that in the background and concentrate on, on the macro and make beautiful things, whether it's a sentence or a image or a computer program. Well, I completely agree with you. Here we go. <laughs> there we go. How but, weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, because remember we were talking, we thought we'd be coming at this from very opposite ends. Yeah. In, in response to that, Tony, I, um, a couple of things. One is that both you and I enjoy cars and I used to work on cars and I know you used to work on cars and, you know, I've put, you know, engines into cars and, mm. you know, kind of, you know, done brakes and everything. And I was fortunate that my father was quite a uh, talented and creative mechanic. But my wife doesn't even know where the hood release is in the car. But she can drive where she needs to go. She can do her business. And I think that we're at a point where we really do want to ask the question of, does somebody need to understand how a car works? Do you need to understand how electricity and light bulbs work? So, you know, to use it. And this is the key. What do we need for using or usage? And what do we need for understanding? Who needs what? Who needs the understanding? Who does not? Who needs basic tools for using something? And I welcome this discussion for especially writing, that we are going to be forced as educators, as writing teachers, as people who teach writing, to really have to engage with these ideas. And I think it's going to be a really exciting few years as we really begin to struggle and find answers to interesting questions about what is really important for us to teach in writing, and who. And I'm hoping that this will force people to actually, uh, I guess the words bifurcate, right? Language teaching for those people who truly want to learn and understand the language, and those people who need to have the tools so that they can use the language when necessary and needed in their lives, but it's not something, it's not their daily driver. That would be a, a very interesting uh, development. And I, I, it would be something I think that would be very welcome. And healthy. Because uh, those, yeah, it would be good. It would be good for a lot of people 
maybe for everybody. Yes. Uh, but that, that, that dual track thing would be a, a very interesting idea. Yeah. I th- and I, you know, I've been talking about machine translation for the last five or six years, I believe, you know, pretty much on a constant basis with the people I work with at my university and um, been arguing that, you know, why, why are we teaching writing, English writing at our university, but students are not required to take a Japanese writing class, you know, how to write an academic paper in Japanese. I mean, something's seriously wrong here. That's very wrong. (laughs) It's unbelievably wrong. And uh, I've been talking with, I have a a colleague and he's a linguist and he's a really, really, really bright guy. And, uh, you know, PhD out of, um, you know, an American university in linguistics and uh, engaging, thoughtful, um, and one of those people who, ha, you know, in, whenever there is a conversation, he's not arguing, but it's a it's a discovery process for him. And for a while, he's been kind of taking the position, you know, that, well, you know, I don't think, you know, he's been disagreeing with me about the need for teaching English. Because I say, look, if there's machine translation and most of these students don't use it. And then the other day we were talking and... uh you know, given all the changes in the chat GPT mentioned, he goes, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, you're right that we actually have to start thinking about whether or not we should be teaching English in the university and how we should be teaching it. So I think that the real value of the chat GPT is that people can't ignore the issue anymore. And they're really being forced to deal with it. And I think that's really good because I think people, a lot of people, especially the um, English educators, a lot of the ones that I know, I think they've been putting their heads in the ground, you know. Um, those are the ones who are panicking, right? They're panicking. And their panic is a knee-jerk reaction against. And I want to say to them, you want to keep yourself in a job? Use this as a tool. It's a boon for us. It's a benefit for us. But you're going to have to completely retool your entire yeah yeah program. Re- redo the entire way that you approach the job and the way that you teach and stuff. So yeah, we're running. I a couple of fast ideas I want to throw out there specifically on on that end, just so that you know, because you know, just something practical um, for things. But um, in terms of like for 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 teachers who are maybe panicking. Uh, but just as you said, like use the technology, right? Um, examples, um, give them output from like the the chat bot, and have them critique it. It's like, okay, what's wrong? What do you like about this? What's good about it? What's bad about it? Mm-hmm. Um, have the 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 chat bot spit out two different um, products from the same prompt. And have them, you know, individually or in groups. So which one is better and why? Um, work it backwards. Backwards is have the, have the bot spit out an essay and have them work it backwards. Make an outline. Why did it do it this way? What's there? It's like, because cause that's what it does. That's what the, that, um, the GPT does really well. It, it, can, it can throw out like a perfectly structured essay. It's like, you want to teach how to structure an essay? It's like, okay, here's one. Backwards engineer it. Here's the essay. Outline it. 
Can I add uh, something it, to that, Tony, real quick? Yeah, yeah, please. Which would be reverse engineer it by giving them the output and say, what's the prompt? There you go. Take it all the way back to the beginning. Take it all the way back to the beginning. Here's the output. And what's 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 the hypothesis? What's what, what's your what's your thesis statement? Right. What's the prompt? What are the parameters that were included? And there you go. what's the position the person is arguing from? Yeah. Again, unbelievably valuable. Sorry I interrupted you though, but I just No, no, to toss not that at out. all. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great idea. And yeah. so in, in in terms of assignments, right? It's like the one thing that the 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 AI AI can't do it it can't really I'm it's going to come to bite me <laughs> it's going to bite me this is but its problem is like context and creativity right it really does it can't I proved myself wrong again today it did create like an alternate alternate ending to the Great Gatsby but you have to assign creatively your assignments have to be creative you have to be creative in what you assign. And you have to require creativity and have them not just, again, it's like, we, I, you know, I quit before. So why teach history? Everything's on the internet. It's like, yeah, well, you don't want, you don't want to report facts. You have to have them do something that requires some kind of creativity, something that hasn't been done before, something that the bot can't scrape from, from some things before. Harder and harder to do, as we've noted. Uh, originality, same thing. Right, it's like instead of having it. Sorry, I so for example, I said uh, I had the um, you know write a short story about like a, a, a specific university in Japan. It's like, well, if there's nothing specific about the, the university that you're talking about, um, or if there's like, like like again the quad, there is no. Yeah, most universities in the United States they have a quad, and, and in England too, I'm guessing. Japan, no. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what you mean when you talk about like I'll meet you at the quad. No, and so so that type of thing, um, and then and not and it go, shifting from product to process. Um, you know, if you're going to make a writing assignment, you you walk them through each step. You delineate what the process is going to be, and you grade them on the steps in the process. And you don't let them change the topic <laughs> in the in the last week, and then have them submit something that's been written by AI. No, because then if you can do that, but then they they give up all their points for their thesis statement and their outline and their first draft and their second draft. Um, so I mean, again, you know, people are panicking. It's like that that that's like just really basic kind of adjustment and stuff, but. I mean that's short term, and as as you've said, you know very eloquently, um, how this is forcing all of us to really step back and rethink what it is when we <laughs> teach. <laughs> uh, what, how, what, where, how? All that is certainly shifted. Um, and it's it, it's not some big evil monster that's t- you know destroying our jobs. No, it's it's a really big shift, and it changes how we're going to do everything. And it's uh, um, I think you know, easy for me to say I'm retired, <laughs> but but a real um, you know interesting challenge. I think I think it'd be fun. 
Okay. Well, I'm going to end it on a cynical, negative, but in all actuality, really positive note. Okay. Which is, anyone who teaches in Japan knows that there are, you know, syllabus changes, curriculum changes. And they seem to come down the pipe every few years. And I have complained so often <laughs> to my wife and a few other people, and with you, Tony, I've mentioned this, that I really believe all these changes in Japanese university education are cosplay. They're performative. Oh, of course. They're on the surface. And I think people have no choice now. That having to deal with what ChatGP has just brought to the surface is going to force people to make actual, real, meaningful changes in curriculum that will have a positive benefit. And I think it's not going to be cosplay because there's no choice. Because, you know, what can you do? Say, okay, any student who uses machine translation or any student who uses uh, a writing AI will fail because of plagiarism. It's like, how are you going to solve that problem? You know, and of course, there are ways, you know, um, digital, um, what are they called? Watermarks, digital watermarks. And there are, um, I think it's called, um, what is it called? Um, Huggingfacemaybe.com, which will um, let you uh, put something in and tell you what's the likelihood of it being machine AI generated. But, yeah, you mentioned an idea. Yeah, but I mean, this, the yeah. point of it is, it's like, you know, it's like putting everything through Turnitin. You know, it's, in other words, it puts us into an antagonistic relationship with students. But that's another topic in itself. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I just want to say that I think universities are going to have to deal with this. They're going to have to deal with it in ways that are going to force them to be creative, innovative, hopefully. And I'm really looking forward to that. And... I'm going to stop talking on that note. Well, I'll just add to that. It's like, well, I think that's extremely optimistic. <laughs> because Do you mean Charles, overly optimistic? As we optimistic? talked about, like, I, I, don't ha I don't have the number of the episodes. was like failure by design. It's like, Charles, it's only, <laughs> it's only English. <laughs> it's only foreign language education. But what I, I don't see anywhere. <laughs> responding to this at all well, i mean it's gonna it's gonna happen eventually down the trip down down the pike yeah it'll 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 have to happen because the teachers it's going to be driven by the teachers themselves it's not going to be driven by the admin because it's only english charles but here's, and i'm sorry that's that's very okay but cynical. here's how i think it'll play out tony and i said i wouldn't mm. i'd stop talking real quickly but i think this is another podcast but i'm an admin person Right? Needing to cut costs. Hmm. I don't need to teach English writing anymore. And I can well, still they, teach it, right? That's what they said with AV. When they had AV equipment, it's like, oh, we don't teach it. We just like put an AV. Oh, right, right. That's the film, strip. In the, no, the film strip projector, right? Yeah. This is going to radicalize teaching. But <laughs> the AV film projector obviously couldn't work. But I think this is going to force English teachers and the people who are running English programs in the universities to have to really force themselves to justify and, you know, give really good rationale for continuing programs. Because I can just say, I, I, I just say cut the program. 
if you're right, if students can use machine translation and chat GPT to sure, write right, something, exactly. well, you know, and they're never going to speak, um, you know, now you're going to, and it's, so I think what it's going to do is it's going to really force people to start thinking about how to justify themselves. It's kind of like, you know, in a sense, the humanities, right? The humanities is really being forced to justify themselves, right? At universities and, you know, for a variety of reasons, it's a whole separate topic. But I don't think it's a negative thing to ask people, justify your teaching, justify the program. Because instead of saying, thinking of it as a negative to say, okay, let's go, let's dig deep. Let's see if we can find new ways, new reasons and new rationale for things. But okay. Should we wind it up, Tony? Let's wind it up. Okay. So, and I'll just uh, ask people to, um, not ask people, but just remind people that I will. Uh, we talked about several different articles and things. Um, if you do look at the website, twoteacherstalking.com, um, um, I will provide links to those articles. I will also, uh, though I think it's against the rules, but you know me and rules, um, I will include a, um, a link to a PDF of some of the questions that I've asked the, the GPT and, you, and their I, answers. Why is that against the rules? Fun. I I don't know. There was something at the in it. I don't know why it's against the rules. I, I didn't make the rules. I Terms didn't read of service, the rules. You mean? I just saw something that's like you can't share blah blah blah. And I just yeah, I didn't read it. Okay, well, be careful. I, I knew I wasn't going to listen to it. Yeah, anyways. but we um, we saw that in the New York Times though, where they published the chat. Yes, yes. I, thing, so, so I've seen it. So yes, and and you know our our, our listenership. So, okay, yeah, you, you guys want to bust me? Come and get me. Okay. <laughs> Down here in Mexico. All right. And I would like to remind people that we'd be really interested to hear what they have to say, what their yeah, thoughts are. Yeah, yeah, So sure. please contact us at Two Teachers. It's a, it's a hot topic, yeah. right? It's so kind of hot. Two Teachers Talking at gmail.com. And that's all one word, Two Teachers Talking, right? Yep. And let's wrap it up. I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year from Two Teachers Talking. Yeah, let's uh, let's. This is this wasn't such a bad one un- unless you were in Ukraine, but everything else is uh, COVID not as bad, economy maybe not as bad, natural disasters not so bad, inflation getting better maybe, um, yen on the rebound really good for me. Yes, yeah, good for um, all of us pe- over here. People in back, you know, people back in the classroom, you know, except for. Our, brothers and sisters in Ukraine um, not such a bad year uh, let's hope that um, that gets resolved in 2023 okay alright Tony well happy new year to you happy new year to us all okay be well righty. <laughs> <laughs>